Hello, and welcome to the Ecological Sensibilities Project, a podcast where we explore the different ways people think and feel about the environment. Throughout this series, I'll be talking to a variety of people from different backgrounds, seeking to get a sense of the ways in which they interrelate with the natural world, as well as trying to pick up from them how that relationship might have changed over the course of their lives. Although throughout the series we'll be discussing with individuals how they think and feel about the environment, the project itself is rooted in a wider sociological approach that seeks to understand how these thoughts and feelings are themselves shaped and generated by the vastly different contexts within which human individuals live their lives. As we listen to each conversation, therefore, the challenge is not just to appreciate the expression of a unique point of view, but rather to tune in to the wider social and historical forces that make such a view possible. The world is changing, and so are people's thoughts and feelings about the environment. The Ecological Sensibilities Project seeks to dip in and take a litmus test of these kind of movements. because I have this kind of nervousness of like just having a really good conversation with somebody and they've given time and everything and then, and you, then haven't you haven't got the recording. got it yeah I just it would just be horrible <laughs> you know like yeah and then Tess would say oh, could we tell, have that conversation again again you know and you can't, you can't really have you would well it would never be the same conversation no. obviously but um yeah in today's episode I'm talking with Tamsin Bishnan Tamsin lives just around the corner from me, and we know each other through working together with others to co-organise a neighbourhood community event focused on local responses to the climate emergency. So the, uh, the basic idea of the conversation, as you probably know from listening to episodes so far, um, is to, to explore how today you think and feel about the environment. Okay, mm. and um, and as I've explained a bit in the in, to other kind of participants, particularly in the last couple of episodes, mm. um, I'm deliver- deliberately leaving that concept of the environment uh, open mm. to be defined, you know, uh, and in 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 whatever way we want to talk about or you want to talk about today. So mm-hmm. it may be. The environment in terms of something very large scale mm. okay thinking about the global kind of environment or it may be something very small scale in terms of interactions with you know your environment your local environment mm-hmm. or or the environment of other species and plants and, and so on and so forth mm. okay so um so yeah so it's kind of yeah it's an open conversation to kind of try to explore how you think and feel about you know, these different kind of layers and scales, I mm. guess. At the same time, um, what I'm going to be trying to do is to um, get some sense in which how those thoughts and feelings about the environment have come to be what they are today um, through the experiences of your life, okay, in your particular context or whatever. So there's uh, another side to the conversation which is really trying to explore your life story as well I guess Mm. in terms of yeah but with a specific focus on how that relates to 
um, thoughts and feelings about the environment. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, so so Tamsin, first of all... um, Tamsin has lived in Brighton and Hove for the best part of 23 years. She works together with Charlie Peverett, who I interviewed in episode 5. I begin by asking Tamsin what brought her originally to Brighton. Um, It's where my now husband was living. Um, So I was living in London um, and he and I met in London. um, And um, he, yeah, he moved to Brighton. Um, And then uh, when we started courting, (laughs) (laughs) I love that phrase, my grandma always used to talk about courting. Um, He was, yeah, he was down here. So, um, and I was, working in uh, Victoria in London so it was really easy on a Friday yes just hop on the train down in those days when it was relatively easy to get between London and Brighton on the train (laughs) it wasn't like a major undertaking um yeah so I used to just come down and spend the most brilliant weekends down here and I I mean I loved Brighton anyway I, I sort of independently you know Brighton was my when I leave London, that's where I'm going, right. place anyway, yeah. so that all just worked out brilliantly. So, yeah. so, so previous to, to living down here, you were living in London and working there, were you, were you living there for many years? Um, so I lived in London for, well, so from not long after I graduated, which was in, um, I graduated in 1993 and then moved to London in at the start of 1994, um, and yeah, I guess I moved so was it like 99-ish or early 2000 that I moved down? So yeah, so yeah. six years or so. Six years, yeah. Uh, in London, yeah. And were you studying in London previously to that or was that a move to London from No, from so I studied in Cambridge um, and I was three years there and then, yeah, moved to London, moved in with my brother. Okay. Lived with my brother for a few years Um uh, shared some very good times <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a flat in my 20s uh, right. and uh, and actually I was actually sharing a flat with my dad just before I moved down to Brighton um, okay. for various reasons um, so yeah so it was quite fun to kind of leave London behind and come to the seaside and yeah be with my husband uh, we got married not very long after yeah our daughter actually before we got married <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> so yeah that was quite a whirlwind wind romance yeah and uh, Brighton was very is very much part of our you know story yes yeah 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 um, and what were you um what were you studying at Cambridge what did you study I studied history history okay yeah yeah I did three years of history there okay yeah yeah and at Cambridge University. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking, we probably crossed over because I was at Cambridge. Between, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was in there. 1992 to 1995. Oh wow! So I was yeah. there 90 to 93. Yeah. How funny. Yeah, so. <laughs> Which college? Uh, Trinity Hall. Ah. Yeah. I was at, well, it was called New Hall in those days. Yeah. It's renamed itself as Murray Edwards now, much to everyone's disgust. Okay. Who was from my generation, but um, yeah, so I was just up the hill. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was studying uh, social anthropology, but some had good friends who are studying history yeah uh, as well so I almost changed actually to SPS um yeah anyway yeah 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 yeah. I had lots of friends studying SPS yeah 
Yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, okay. My mum did social anthropology at Cambridge. Did she? Yeah, she did. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Um, Do you know what year that would have been? Oh, that was uh, six. That's so. That's where she met my dad. Sixty-seven oh. to seventy, I think they were there. Okay. She did a, a year of social anthropology and then changed to English, did, did okay. two years of English. So she graduated in English. Right, yeah. right. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> archaeology and anthropology as it used to be. You yes. used to have to do it, Arcanine, do that in the yeah. first year. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a strange kind of combination. If you were more interested in social anthropology, you ended up doing that alongside archaeology and biological anthropology mm. um which was more kind of evolutionary and about other species and monkeys stuff that i would be really really interested in now mm. but back then um it was a bit sort of a strange mix anyway mm. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me shift it to a little bit to thinking about how you think and feel about the environment so I think I know what your answer to this question is going to be, but would you describe yourself as an environmentally conscious person? Yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, increasingly so, and and kind of on a slightly exponential curve. Okay. I think with that as well. So, so what do you mean an exponential curve? What? Um, well, I sort of... Um, it's, it's not to say that I, I haven't... Or, I wouldn't say, I feel like I've been environmentally conscious for a long time. Mm. Um, I'm sure we'll get into this, but you know, if I sort of, if I dial back the years, it's not that I wasn't environmentally conscious, but I feel like sort of over the last 10 years, uh, my that kind of sense of being aware of and we're going to get into it, aren't we? You know, the environment or environmental issues or and my environment and my place in it. And um, uh, yeah, that has kind of, it, it's been a sort of slight explosion of consciousness mm. for me. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not, yeah, it's not linear. Mm. It's like, it's, it, you start joining dots. I start, have started joining dots and that, and that just feels like it, it kind of is continuing at pace and actually speeding up. And, mm. you know, it's like a slightly kind of, I keep thinking of fractals for some reason, which is interesting. Okay. Remind um, me what fractals are. Well, again. you know, that, that kind of like a kind of slightly psychedelic pattern yes. of like um a sort mm. of infinite proliferation of connections and right. um yeah so once you start yeah once i've started joining those dots that that feels um like a kind of unstoppable um process of of um consciousness God gone deep quite quickly I wasn't expecting to do that um and yeah so yes I do think of myself as an environmentally aware person and it's quite a ride yeah so so what are those um what are some of those those dots then for you that you've been connecting um oh where do we where do we start um did it have a start starting place as well you mentioned that, that it's kind of, I mean, it might have just been a 
convenient number, but 10 years, over the last 10 years, that's that kind of... Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, where to start? So I think... Um, where it came into my working life, maybe, is an, is a good place to start. So um, maybe it's slightly longer. It's about 12 or 13 years ago. I was working mm. at a digital marketing agency. And one of our, in sort of um, content production, digital content, that's my sort of background, mm. professional background. Um, and... One of our clients was an insurance company. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was around about the time of the kind of, you know, the sort of social media explosion was just starting. And so the big thing in, you know, the cutting edge innovative thing in marketing, digital marketing was um, you might have a blog <laughs> on your <Yeah>. website. <laughs> yeah. just sounds uh, so hilariously yeah. old fashioned there, doesn't yeah. it? But you know, it's like whoa, um, and we and we, you know, our our gig was to create the content for this blog for this insurance company, mm. and um, they sort of done some research um, with their audience and were kind of trying. They were basically trying to kind of di- differentiate themselves, and the sweet spot that they that we landed on as a kind of editorial focus was sort of greener living okay yeah um and it was it was sort of around yeah so it was around i mean interestingly yeah it was about it wasn't about fossil fuels interestingly it was more about kind of energy saving in your home and um that kind of stuff even though you know it was primarily motor insurance company um anyway so we ended up doing a lot of kind of uh, quite interesting little blog features about you know what was supposed to term sustainability yes. living recycling packaging you know yeah. like all of that sort of day-to-day stuff and um and it really just from there I just started sort of thinking about okay so because it was very focused on your day-to-day life and what you can do in your home Mm. I just started sort of applying it really and thinking about it in my own life just in small smaller ways and um and obviously at that point you you know there there is a bit of alarm going off Mm in the wider world it's the start of those kind of like conversations around oh well, we think there really is a, a man human uh, made thing process in play yes. here that is impacting on our climate and will have quite severe consequences yeah at that point it, even then it was still like you know oh it's ages away it'd probably be your grand grandchildren yeah but um you know that was there so so and that kind of connected back with concerns that I'd had as a teenager so so that started kind of that little bell started ringing again and I started so I started thinking about things in my daily life and at the same time I had um 
pretty major mental health um uh what should we call it uh moment okay yeah <laughs> um it was quite a stressful job um and yeah i just i basically sort of had a bit of a like i need some time out uh, for yeah. my mental health and i was referred to to a course an eight-week mindfulness mbct course yeah. mindfulness-based cognitive therapy course having done you know other stuff cbt blah 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 um and which is effective is basically meditation right yeah um and uh so i did that eight week course and that was like absolutely game changing for me in terms of my mental health but that started this process of kind of like slowing down Hmm. and just looking at the world more closely paying closer attention Hmm bringing me into closer contact with the natural world. So at that point, so at that point, I'm sort of, I'm sort of taking mm. care of myself, but I'm kind of going on day retreats and things. And not, you know, like literally the, the, the day retreats that they used, they still run actually are up at Hove Polyclinic. Okay, yeah. But just there's a very quiet little green spot there with the allotments and stuff next yeah. to it. And I remember having this moment of, like looking at the grass and at the daisies and seeing the life there the ants and the insects mm. and sort of so that was another um yeah point of like okay this is there's a connection here yes um and and needing to step out of that work a because it was too stressful so the market the whole kind of marketing agency thing i was just i can't i can't really maintain that level of kind of you know um pace that 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 kind of working life demands and also starting to think about hang on a minute this is an insurance company that is um you know I don't want to use the, I don't want to use the term greenwash, but in retrospect, it's it was greenwash. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we were doing. That was know. going to be one of my questions: is is how sincere do you think the insurance company was about sustainability? Or, uh, it's difficult, probably, to answer. But. Yeah, <laughs> I would say they thought it was a good way to market. Yeah. To a certain group of people, um, yeah. I'm pretty certain that they, <laughs> if you were to have a look at what their uh, carbon footprint is or you know um yeah i would i would say it probably didn't carry through yeah um so yeah and so starting to have those thoughts about hang mm. on a minute what what are we doing here and why what what are we trying to get people to do what's mm. the end game and it's like well we're trying to get them to buy insurance for their car yeah, yes. <laughs> and were you working exclusively for that insurance company? Or no. you, were they a client of yours? Yeah, they were a client. A client. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, so you start looking around at like, what are we? Who are we working for? And what are, what what are the goals of all of these businesses? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, n- none of it is actually really making stepping into any of this stuff. Yes. Um, so there was questions firing about that as well Mm. so yeah so so i think it's a combination of 
you know, I, I, it was it was that work that brought my attention to it mm. in a, in quite a direct way. I, you know, I don't know whether I would have thought about it so closely if we hadn't been researching and writing articles about this stuff. And the we here, were you working with Charlie at this point? Yes, you yeah, were. yeah. Okay, yeah. so you and Charlie. Yeah, Evan, and yeah. others. Yeah, and others. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it was my it was mine and Charlie's team. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So so at that point. Um, it's like okay, I don't want to do that work anymore. I'm, I'm. There's a, there's something going on, quite internally, um, where the, the kind of taking care of myself mm. and understanding what I might need and taking a more kind of compassionate approach to my own well-being, is kind of having all of these ripple effects around. Mm. Um, how I want to be in the world and then really starting to just sort of have that have this moment of seeing the world with different eyes and that it's really hard to not do harm mm-hmm. <laughs> like just mm. stepping out your front door or, or not even you don't even have to step out your front <laughs> yeah. door yeah like getting out of bed and yeah. you it's like you, you know the way our world is kind of structured yeah. So much of it is damaging and extractive, and um, yeah. So that's the journey that I'm talking mm. about. It's like you start seeing those connections mm. around food, around energy, around water, around transport, mm-hmm. <laughs> around yeah. what kind of work am I doing? Um, who am I doing it for? Mm. You know. I'm, a, I'm a, like a marketing and communications person. I'm trying to support businesses to grow. What am I helping them to grow? You yeah. know, yeah. It's like it's a bit, it's a bit mind blowing. Yeah. But it's, it's you can't not once you've sort of seen those things, you can't unsee them. Or you could try and pretend that you haven't. But yeah, I have. I've found that's not that's not a strategy that works for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, so I want to just stay a little bit with that kind of moment of the grass. Because <laughs> I just think that's really interesting. And I guess I'm I'm interested in, um, in the ways in which, I guess, perception changes. Mm. Um, so in one of the interviews that I've done for this series, which I'm not sure it's actually featured in the actual interview itself, um, but um, it's with uh, Simon Porter, who's a regenerative farmer. And um, one of the things that he said is that his changing perception of the farm, of the land, and he'd inherited this farm, you know, it's been in the sort of in the family for generations. Um, and you know, they the the previous generations had been encouraged to think of the farm in a particular way, particularly in terms of maximizing production and all of those things. And and Simon himself has been through a a process whereby he is perceiving the farm and the soil in particular differently. So um, so he described to me, you know picking up a spoonful of soil and of now seeing the all of the life that is in 
that spoonful of soil. Um, whereas 30 years ago, he would have just thought of it as a means to produce a crop that, mm. you know, is essentially for the market. Mm. So, so I'm really interested that in terms of what you're saying about, you know, slowing down kind of the weaving in of mindfulness practice in, in their sort of meditation, um, and the ways in which potentially that opens you up to have a very different sense of kind of nature connectedness, I mm. suppose is the, is probably the, the, the word, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to say any more about that. I'm just interested that that's, that was part of your journey, really, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, and you've spoken really nicely about how it was not just that, that thing that was part of a larger movement of things that were happening in your life at the time that mm. were, you know, an, an awareness of your personal impact brought about through the work that you were doing you know for that the, the insurance company and and alongside kind of larger knowledge and movements within society translated presumably through the media through the news mm -hmm. through other kind of things you know uh, an awareness of actually you know that kind of story of the impact that we as humans on a mass scale are having upon the earth upon the planet mm. was potentially becoming you know that that message was coming through more frequently mm. and you're beginning to pay attention to it in mm -hmm. a new kind of way I mean I can relate that to my own mm. you know, own experiences really I guess over the last 10-15 years mm. as well um yeah so it's just really interesting how all of those things are kind of like yeah. woven in yeah and um you know, I, I, I sort of alluded to it, but it's sort of, um, it's a bit of a, it, it, in, in that kind of, yeah, coming, coming into that, coming into focus, that stuff. Um, so the kind of what's happening in the world and, and like literally, yeah. Oh, wow. Look at the daisy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that re that kind of reconnected me to stuff from from like my childhood and my teen years. Um, that I'd kind of let go of, mm. or been distracted from, or it just yeah, you know, you just have different experiences through different stages of your life, don't you? But um, it's so, so it makes me I remember think it making me think about so I, I was really lucky when I was sort of um you know between the ages of sort of about five and 16 17 mm. um that I got to do quite a lot of travel um uh because of sort of family family situations so um my like my parents separated when I was quite young like really young sort of mm -hmm. two or something I can't remember them together sort of thing and um uh and my mum so my mum's parents when I was growing up she lived in Bermuda <laughs> yeah okay 
Um, and um, so I had quite a few summer holidays in mm. Bermuda with yeah. my mum and my and my little little sister, and um, had just the most incredible experience of like snorkeling mm. and um, just. It's so vivid to me, these memories of kind of like, I, I would spend all day in the water with a mask on, just kind of completely mesmerized by that world under yes. the water. And yeah, like all day, every day for like, we used to go for like three weeks and yeah. it's like, that's all I did. And it, 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 that does something to your brain, I think. Um, and also, so on, on my dad's side, so my, my dad um, has been uh, married to my stepmom, Maurice, and she's uh, from Jamaica. Mm. And um, uh, she and her family came to the UK in um, the 50s, like the Windru Windrush generation. Mm. And um, so we went to Jamaica um, we only went once when I was when I was eleven, but li likewise, sort of just this kind of experience of like I just, like I just remember I remember getting off the plane and it was like you know steps down off the plane and the heat hitting you and the green <laughs> just mm -hmm. the green the green the green and um, my 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 stepmom kind of really. Um, communicating to me about um the plant life and like saying to me I meant like she I remember her cutting a piece of aloe vera because mm. uh, I got sunburn and she cut it and she just squeezed out aloe vera from this leaf and and put it on me and it was like the, you know the most amazing <laughs> Bomb, How could this be? Yeah. Straight from a plant. Straight from a plant, and her just, her just saying, you know, yeah. when I was a child, this is what we had. We didn't have medicine. We had plants, but this is medicine, right? Yeah. And um, uh, and I remind her of this because, uh, you know, it's like it made such a huge impression on me. That thing of like, yeah, like the stuff. Yeah here that I don't understand. I mean, I grew up in Birmingham, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and there weren't aloe vera plants in the plant shop. Like, there are now. Yeah, like, there you are You can easily yeah, buy yeah. aloe vera, yeah. can't you? Yeah. But, you know, it was like, it was like, whoa, what is this thing? Um, and that made a massive impression on me. Like, you know, she, like she, just things like she always made her own ginger tea and, you know, um, and she was vegetarian. She and my dad were vegetarian when mm. nobody was vegetarian. And um, that kind of, yeah, so the, just like a kind of these inputs as a child around nature and a certain way of living and not processed food and, um, and then seeing that world under the water. It's like all of that came back again about 10 years ago. Yeah. I remembered it all again and was like, oh yeah, I remember this as a kid. Mm. Having a sense that this is important mm. and there's something here there's, that, that you're not learning in school. Mm. 
and that I didn't learn about at university at all um, and, and that gets kind of drowned out as you get older um, and, and then it, all of a sudden it yeah it was like it came back into focus so there were that's a lot to put into a moment of looking at a daisy in the grass but honestly that's what it felt like it was a kind of like yeah. moment really interesting yeah <laughs> yeah no that's and so and that that process of remembering so I'm interested in in what memory is how it works in a sense and I guess what I'm picking up from you which I mean maybe this is my bias as well because it's my way of thinking about it as well but it's almost as if I mean you spoke there about what you felt like in that moment mm. of, of, of being with that daisy. And as an illustration, I know there's, there was other things there as well, but we can just kind of like, you know, being with the daisy and what you felt. And it was those feelings which you had felt snorkeling, you know, as a child of, of being in Bermuda and in, in, in Jamaica and, and, and the experiences that you'd had there. And so it's almost like there was a feeling that you had in childhood that reemerges somehow when given the space in your adult life. And you can tell me if, the, if this fits with what you're saying, but, but you experience that as, a, as, as memory, like in a sense, like it opens up in the present and experience or a feeling mm. from the past mm. and I guess what I'm kind of building on there is the ways in which memory is not necessarily or not only a mental thing mm. of remembering but it's feelings and sensations that we carry in our body yes that somehow other environments squeeze out so yeah. I guess I'm kind of suggesting that for many of us, probably maybe for all of us, we experience things in our childhood that the circumstances of life, you know, so working in, in, in London under pressure, you know, yeah. as somebody in their 20s and whatever, with the concerns that you have and, you know, and, and that, that somehow those things in themselves potentially squeeze out those other feelings or ways of being in the world, which, mm. which you know, make up the rich history of our lives, I mm. guess. Um, does that way of thinking about things kind of make yeah. sense to you? Yeah, in yeah. terms of, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it, may, it, it, it makes perfect sense. And, um, yeah, this, and the thing about the, the, yeah, the feeling it in your body, um, is is interesting because that's super recent for me that mm. that realization or that connection um uh yeah and you know i've i've i've, I've always been very comfortable with the idea of the mental life and mm. the emotion emotional life to a certain extent but that yeah that kind of intellectual life yeah. was very much encouraged in me by my parents and um, sort of, yeah, the kind of the body life, the physical life is, is sort of a, 
it's like separate and yeah you know a bit annoying to be honest <laughs> i'd find <laughs> annoying in what kind of ways well you just mean? you know like um i don't know like i wasn't particularly sporty or active yeah. or anything as a as a younger person um you know and yeah, so it's that's all tangled up. It has had Those, been in the past yeah. that kind of tangled up yeah. thing of like um, not being very comfortable in myself physically, yeah. um, and only very recently have I kind of started to to kind of work with all of that and feel a lot yeah. a lot more comfortable with myself. And yeah, and then and so the kind of connecting up of the more embodied experience of this stuff it's not just an idea yeah like you're saying like a memory is not just something that happens here it absolutely happens in your whole body um is yeah that's quite it's quite new to kind of to really know the truth of that yeah and it's exhilarating to kind of make that connection and um yeah but yeah so yeah Mm. when i think about like that that time in the water it's like you feel it you don't mm. just see yeah. it in your mind's eye it's like you, your whole body is going yeah I'm there in the water yeah yeah and it's interesting in terms of what you were saying about because <clears throat> you on the one hand I have this picture of you for three weeks snorkeling all day <laughs> you know and on the other hand you're saying you weren't an you weren't an active child yeah. so it's like uh, but I understand I think I understand what you're saying in terms of like a particular way in which being sporty or being you know is constructed yes. for us and you know you either fit with that or you don't and if you don't it sounds like that you gained some sense of worth from the fact that you were really good at thinking yeah. you know i mean you know you went to cambridge university you know so so there's a there's an intellectual achievement yeah kind of there but a at the same time perhaps a disassociation from you know the bodily side of yourself yeah. um that sorry i'm beginning to therapize <laughs> I, say, I knew it was going to be therapy <laughs> oh, dear. it's hard it, but it's uh, hard to separate this stuff out yeah, i yeah. think yeah. i think it is but yes so yeah so absolutely. it's just interesting isn't it and would you say that it was specifically the kind of mindfulness practice that brought because I know I mean I've done a similar course myself in in mindfulness the kind of eight week I can't remember yeah. if it's exactly the same but um but certainly obviously a, a kind of key part of that is becoming aware of your body yeah as a body you, that you are a body you know yeah uh, 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 and would you say I mean the way that you've described the narrative of your story it seems like that that's that yeah. played a significant role. Were there other things that kind of brought that about? Yeah, so that was the, that was the start of it, and um, but it was I was very resistant to that aspect mm. of it. Mm. Um, I found it the most challenging part of it, and I sort of so I just sort of sidelined it. It's like, oh, I'm very happy to sit, <laughs> yes. and you know, sit and meditate, but don't ask me to do yoga yes um and that's that was the pandemic that changed that for me so um so my sister is a yoga teacher and um she started doing these online yoga classes um 
at the start of the pandemic and um, I, I started joining those and mm. yeah and something flipped at that point and uh, and it's like I finally got it I was like ah mm. mm-hmm. um, and yeah I haven't looked back since then so I still do it you know, mm. you know two or three times a week um, so yeah so that so that it's more the yoga that's kind of okay. um, yeah it's, oh, it's such I sound like a real Every cliche, I stared at a daisy, <laughs> and then I meditated, and then I did yoga. But um, but it's true, you know. And I, you Typical know, Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that that feeling of like, oh, this is why human beings have been doing this for thousands and thousands yeah. of years in different forms, you yeah. know, um, because it's really helpful, you yeah. know. It's a really helpful part of the human experience to spend time with yourself and yeah. ask yourself what's important today and what's going on in this moment. And yeah, um, uh, yeah. and so it's. I just feel like if 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 a if a human being sits down and asks that question of themselves at the moment, pretty hard not to get. You, you've got to work quite hard now to or to or to not at least make a little bit of space for yeah maybe what's important at the moment is the fact that the planet is crying out <laughs> yes yes for 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 us to just give it a break <laughs> yeah yeah it, it would be interesting to i mean it may be again it's the kind of circles that that we mix in as well but it would be interesting to to visit a circle not spend time there too long but where those weren't if those Mm. weren't the major concerns Mm. you know what really got people up Mm. in the morning and energized people were Mm. completely disconnected from Mm. any kind of planetary awareness Mm. um yeah i'm going to change the the thread a little bit okay um I mean, I, I think it's, it's really interesting in terms of the themes of what we've been exploring, which I, I guess is, the, is a kind of nature connectedness kind of thing and your experiences of that in mm. some ways. Um, did you want to take a break at all? Or you... No, no, I'm good. Okay, okay. okay. So um, the slightly different kind of path I want to go down, I suppose, is that you described how um, it's difficult to even get out of bed, you know, without sort of realising one's impact on the world and the, the way that the world is structured, certainly for us in, you know, the industrial and post-industrial West and, mm. you know, is that most things we do are extracting something from somewhere. <laughs> and they're all it's all stuff that we're used to doing and we don't particularly want to give up or find Mm. difficult to give up Mm. um so how do you you know we've 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 focused on a very kind of positive side of nature connectedness but Mm. how do you how do you cope with that side Mm -hmm. and what how has that kind of shaped the way that you think and feel about the environment yeah um Mm, some days well sometimes I don't think I do cope very well with it (laughs) Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, I mean, that just that moment of, um, you know, I've tried really hard to, I've had phases of, of, of um, trying very hard to, like, not, for example, not have my phone right there by, mm. by the bed. Um, because, yeah, I, you know, it's an automatic habit when it's there, pick up your phone. And I'm, I'm, I've switched, I've um, basically left all social media apart okay. from LinkedIn, which I sort of stay with for work reasons. But um, I, yeah, I've sort of detoxed from social media platforms, which I'm so glad I've done. Um, nevertheless, you know, have a little look at the news or Mm. you know and um you know that's and so that's that's there sort of in that moment of I'm connecting to the grid <laughs> effectively mm. you know I'm holding a device in my hand that is made from you know the mm. hard hard labor of who knows how many people probably children in mm. parts of the world that I can't imagine what their lives are like. You know, just in that moment of connection, it's like, right. Yeah. And that's within about 30 seconds of opening yeah. my eyes. Yeah. It's um, not even, you haven't even got out of bed no. yet. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's, so, and sometimes I'm sort of, sometimes that kind of weighs you down. It's like, um, yeah, what do you do with that? How do you... And so I've been through, yeah, been through times of like, okay, I won't have my phone right next to my bed, but it's not like I'm going to get rid of my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't operate in, I can't operate my business without a phone. You know, if yeah. I was to turn around to say to my clients, I don't have them. It's, it's already yeah. weird enough that I'm not on social media, given that it's a digital kind of focused business. Yes. It's like I'm kind of pushing it with that. But if I was to say, oh, I'm not going to have a phone or I'm not going to have a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, not practical. Yeah, so yeah. so, there's, so there, there are those moments of like, this is an impossible trap. You know, we're trapped. We're all trapped mm. um, by that. And so then it's like about compromise and... Um, yeah, so that's that's the kind of heavier, darker side <laughs> that mm, mm. is there. And it's there, you know, that's there most of the time, to be honest. Um, and gets louder. Um, and and so I suppose at the same time I try to cultivate hope. And, I, and I, that is a conscious effort of cultivation. And again, that's where the mindfulness is amazing. Um, so, for example, doing my yoga class... Mm. It's like, okay, that's a space where it's like, I'm just doing this because I know it makes me more resilient. And if, I, and if I, like, you need to be resilient to cultivate hope in these circumstances. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I've done, I've, I've done, you know, like I've done stuff like I've been involved in Extinction Rebellion and I've been yeah. on protests and um i got arrested <laughs> yeah you know I, I i there was a period just before the pandemic where i was like i'm just going to go all in on this mm-hmm. 
it's like that how do you balance that kind of sense of power powerlessness and us all being trapped in the same trap it's like well when Extinction Rebellion first started sort of talking about the social contract has been broken and therefore mm. it's our, it's our kind of responsibility to to say enough to rebel mm. that absolutely chimed with me at the time I was just like yes and it was kind of there was like a slight euphoric release of like oh my god somebody's saying it out loud like this is not okay it's not okay that we're living in these systems that are killing the planet and Mm. that we can't get out of bed without doing harm um so yeah so that was that was kind of great at the time and very connecting and kind of um uh, and very empowering felt like you plugged into a kind of connection there with people who was who were seeing the same things and willing to say it rather than sort of not say it that kind of weird conspiracy of silence that goes on around this stuff sometimes yes i suppose i'm just trying to find the roots to that set to 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 the source of hope um and sometimes it's about connection sometimes it's about just saying out loud this is wrong yeah <laughs> like uh, that again that kind of embodied thing you're talking about like there was a moment of kind of just being in a place and saying okay I'm putting my body in this place as mm-hmm. a as a kind of communication of I'm not okay with this. Mm. I mm. don't want to be complicit anymore in this. Yes. And it was helpful at the time, but I wouldn't I don't think I would do it again. Yeah. And it, yeah. I find it distressing to see other people in that place. Yeah. That they're feeling that that's their only option. Yeah. Um so other choices you make are mm. around are just kind of everyday things about who do you work for, mm-hmm. if you can. Not everybody has that privilege. I'm lucky, you know, I've got a Cambridge University degree. Yeah. And I'm white and I'm middle class and yeah. um, I'm in my 50s, so I've got a lot of experience into my belt. I'm not starting out from scratch trying to get my first job, so I have a certain amount of kind of um economic power mm. to be able to make certain choices yeah so so the, the, it's like use as much of that power as i can in a wise way mm. um i'll try to um yeah those are the those are <clears throat> the sort of main things that come to mind yeah so a couple of different things from that that i thought is interesting which i guess are mainly around the theme of connection Mm. um and um i don't know whether this is so one of them is about feeling um because it seemed to me that there's um okay going back to the the daisy (laughs) for a moment and um and, and the, there was something in that, which was this feeling of connectedness, mm. you know, to this e- ecosystem that, you know, ecology, this, you know, amazing, intricate web of life that we're, that we're part of. And, um, and that almost 
or, or perhaps it's not almost, but it, it creates within oneself a feeling of, of euphoria or joy or whatever it is mm. that, you know, it's a very positive kind of feeling. Mm. But it struck me that you describing picking up your phone in the morning is also a feeling of connection mm. or of making connections mm. or allowing oneself to see the connections mm. which leads to a different set of feelings mm. so what you were saying about you know you holding this technological object in your hand mm. and you can either close yourself to the connections that are wrapped up within that particular mm. object or you can open yourself to it in the same way that you might open yourself to the connections of a daisy mm. But as you do that, as you open yourself to the connections of that particular object, you see the exploitation and the, you know, the industry that, is, that has created this object and to, to which we are connected and which we're entangled mm -hmm. within. Mm. Um, and so that just struck me as quite interesting in the sense of... Um, I guess like opening oneself to the world, mm. like, you know, that um, there's a real wonder in terms of opening oneself to the world in a particular way. But as one becomes sensitive to those connections with the world, it's also deeply distressing because mm. one becomes aware of, of how, you know, yeah, one is caught up in this web which is both amazing but also can potentially you know there's another web which is exploitative or, mm. or whatever mm. um so i guess that was just a kind of observation yeah that, that was kind of i thought yeah came to mind anyway as you were describing that yeah. which i thought kind of was interesting um just cut in if you want to say anything but um the other thing was in terms of connection, the theme of connection that came up when you were talking about hope mm. and trying to cultivate hope. And you dipped in there or you touched upon um, the kind of energy which is experienced through connecting with others mm. who are orientated or like-minded in a particular way. Mm. Um, and the kind of... Um, I don't know, relief or power of that or the feeling of power or the feeling perhaps of, of well, hope that, mm. that, that, that that brings about. Mm. Um, and I suppose if there's a question in here, I suppose that's the, the kind of question I was going to ask is, is, you know, how, how do you see those connections of, let's call it community, but, you know, kind of, you know, like-minded people or, or those kind of connections with humans Mm. in a particular way how much do you feel that those how important are those things to you I mean they're obviously important from what you've described so far but do you see those things as being part of the solution as well that sense of kind of connectedness with other human beings in a mm. particular way um Yes. So probably, uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, just so just to come 
back to what you you were saying about the web and opening up and there being it being very complex mm. um what yeah what what comes with that opening up I completely agree um and just um yeah, it's not as straightforward as, um, you know, oh, I'm not on Facebook anymore, so everything's okay. Um, or I'm not on WhatsApp anymore. Because I miss, you know, I miss the connection that that did give me to mm. certain people. Mm. So, yes, you know. Um, uh, and, yeah, I mean, the, so, so the hum, human connection, absolutely. And, um, you know, that I was just thinking that that was something I... I didn't say before in terms of the kind of how do you how do you sort of step into the challenge of everything's extractive it's like um trying to have non-extractive human relationships is really Mm. helpful um and um so like for example the you know we we know each other because Mm. of that event um, little community event that mm. we did in the autumn um, and that's an example of that I'm sort of learning for my for myself sort of like being driven by this sort of yearning for okay how are there other ways of us to be yes that's a that's an example of something that happened as a, as a result of tr- sort of trying to explore that can um, you just describe that event a little bit yeah. because obviously people won't know so so that was an event that was an event that was inspired by a, a similar event that happened in Brighton over in Hanover this time last year so there were a group of people in Hanover who've been meeting for a long time actually about 13 years interestingly um <laughs> just to yeah. kind of uh, rejoin that dot yeah. um they organized event an event just called what can we do about the climate crisis in our neighborhood or something like that Mm. lots of people went it was a very positive hope inspiring you know the overriding thing that I heard about that event was oh people felt much more hopeful Mm. and that's for me that's a real like I'm looking for that I'm looking for that word and I'm looking for when people talk about that Mm. um so uh, encouraged by those uh, those guys thought let's try and do something in my neighborhood um and uh there there's a sh- there was a shop on the road just by my house it was like a refills and um sustainable things shop um so I put up the which I you know I shopped in but I put up the courage to talk to the people <laughs> working in that yeah. shop and he turned out to be your lovely Rachel yeah um and yeah and so we organized an event in a in our you know a, a church hall just on the corner of the road invited our MP and others and people who are doing stuff in the city and in the neighborhood to come and sh- just to talk about what do they think we might do usefully. Um, and, you know, we packed it out in yeah. a standing room only. Um, and, you know, we had to use energy to light the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, and to make the cups of tea, but other than that, you know, it felt like a 
you know, it's not new. It's not a new way of being with each other, yeah. right? You know, and using there's something about using the church hall space as well that I've I've been reflecting on a lot, like these spaces that we had in mm. our communities yeah. that we've had for as long as anybody can remember, right? Of, mm. Um, there have been spaces where people have come together and, um, you know, talked about the important stuff for them. Yeah. Um, and that's what that gathering felt like. And it didn't feel extractive, is my point. It felt nourishing. Um, and it's easy to get, you know, it's easy to go to that and then what happened and then you know mm. and uh, and I do have those questions about how do we join up those kinds of moments or those mm. gatherings or those impulses that you know were very visible mm. at that gathering that there were a lot of people in our neighborhood who were just going yeah what can we do yeah um you know but nevertheless just the happening of that event is important yeah. I think at this time in this moment where things are pretty desperate <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and it's almost like those those of us who have who are kind of got our eyes maybe slightly wider open at the moment um, we're waiting for something to yeah. shift um, and it and until that shift comes having moments like that are very of connection yes are very very important and yeah. and kind of maybe all we've got yeah yeah um potentially for the time being uh, you know that's kind of how i feel at the moment it's like that's probably that's probably what we've got at the moment but we shouldn't yeah. undervalue that yeah um and it's almost like a kind of preparation for you know, we've met each other and we can have a bit of trust in each other in mm. our local communities for what's coming. Um, God, that sounds so apocalyptic, doesn't it? But, um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's something super valuable in that connection, that human connection. And I think it's it needs to be more than that as well. Yes. So it's like, it's kind of, okay, so that's the humans. How do we kind of take that that sensibility to beyond yeah. humans? Yes. To all the other beings. That sensibility of connectedness yeah. or, yeah, 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 okay. Like yeah. we need to have, at, like, that sense of non-extraction mm. extending a lot further yes. than just humans not exploiting humans. Yeah. It needs to be, you know, all or nothing yeah. kind of the democracy of species. <laughs> yeah. And that's very to new, you quote, know. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean that I mean that's super new for me, you know, mm. so since I've been doing my my master's studies and reading people like Donna Haraway and Mm. Um, reading Anna Singh at the moment, The Mushroom at the End of the World and stuff. Mm. It's like that kind of thinking of like, let's, why are we drawing the line at human yes. beings? Yes. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Actually, because we're just a, a species. Mm. We're very important and, uh, uh, and very important in terms of our power to kind of disrupt everything. Yeah. But 
we are just our species. Yes, yeah. So what I'm picking up from you is, so I really like this image of, of um, an image, an image which reflects a reality <laughs> that um, of relationships and a kind of community life, a kind of being together as humans, which is, um, which is nourishing rather than extractive. And, um, and that somehow that's important as part of the journey towards a larger community, which includes beyond the human as well. And it's almost like we need to be responsible for practicing that and learning that and learning how to be in the world in that kind of way mm. um, to bring about a shift, you know, mm. in certain in certain ways. And um, and I mean, I also the theme of hope, which I think is a really interesting one and one that which comes up again and again in terms of thinking about, you know, how people think and feel about the environment. And so it's interesting hearing you talk about hope today. And I remember the message that I got from you when I first met you at Rachel's shop um, and that Rachel had talked about as well in terms of, you know, you pioneering, wanting to organize this, this community event was that you wanted it to be, I think the phrase was hope in action. Was mm. that what the, the phrase? Hope. Active hope. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that was a really kind of core value, I think. Is that right? Is that fair Absolutely. to say? Of, yeah, of yeah. the event. So yeah. active hope. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, so why do you think that's so important? I mean, I'm, you've spoken to it already in a sense, but why... Why is active hope so important? Um, because, yeah, because just crossing our fingers isn't going to be enough, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, if you feel hopeful that a better future is possible, what are you going to do about mm. it to, mm. to turn that hope into, you know, to to up the odds yeah <laughs> effectively yeah. um so yeah i mean it's all it all comes out of joanna macy's um she, um work um you know that this is her this is her kind of um manifestation of, i mean i think she's she's buddhist right and so she's taken kind of buddhist philosophy and um and focused in on the on the climate and ecological crisis and this mm. is her kind of manifestation of how do you, how do you use buddhist philosophy to mm. step into that challenge and i wouldn't call, you know i'm not a buddhist um but I, there's, there's there's stuff in there that really speaks to me as mm. profoundly wise and yeah. um, so she, it's her, it's her that says you know there are these kind of states, different states that we can be, be in. So there's that the, we can just pretend it's not happening, mm -hmm. or we can kind of um, be overwhelmed that it's happening mm. um, and give up, um, or we can believe we can know it's happening, and then we can believe that we have agency to 
to do something different and that and she calls that active hope yeah and she, and no nowhere in there is the, is there the i'm just gonna cross my fingers and hope for the best type of yes hope so yes so it's it is about that it needs to be connected to action mm. and we you know and in particular in in the, in terms of the kind of situation with the climate it's like that's the bit that's sometimes feels like it's going to tip me over the edges like it's not like we don't have the solutions mm. you know or a lot of the solutions we do you know there are lots there's so many things that we could do that would be could be slowing down this mm. runaway train and we're choosing not to what kinds of things are you are you thinking of that's just as an illustration of um so energy mm. you know we could be choosing to not take any more fossil fuels yeah. out of the ground so there's those sorts of things that we could if we chose to we could very we could like handbrake turn yeah. on fossil fuels it would be hard yeah um but we could do it mm. and we could um prioritise bicycling and mm. walking mm-hmm. in our cities mm-hmm. and it would piss a lot of people off but we could do it right we could do yeah. it um, and the evidence is it would piss a lot of people off for a short period of time and then everyone would go oh this is quite nice actually yeah yeah sure yeah a kind of forced change of perception yeah and I'm not yeah. I mean I suppose I'm not yeah. saying you know God, I sound like a dictator don't I going we um but there I think we I think we've been told that things are impossible that yeah. aren't impossible and we've and we and we've been there's been a drip 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 story of like well people don't want it and Mm -hmm. it's I I suppose my question is how true is that Mm. if the fossil fuel industry didn't have all the money and all the power what would what would it look like what would the possibilities look like and we don't even know yeah because they've been so powerful for so long Mm. yeah yeah so that's my that's my that's Mm. my question Mm. those are the sorts of things that I think about Mm. and so that inevitably connects connects to political issues in terms of like yeah the of power and where power is and i know that you've also um been quite involved in terms of you know local council kind of you know trying to shift things at a local level Mm. um how has that sort of Mm. been part of your um journey so yeah so that was that sort of came about from um like as i mentioned so i was involved in extinction rebellion in 2019 um and sort of got reasonably involved in the brighton extinction rebellion um activity and a lot in london um and then uh uh, and sort of started volunteering just to help update the Brighton XR 
website um, at the start of 2020 and then along came the pandemic and um, at that time there, uh, the council was a labour-led council but with no overall um, no overall control mm. um, and there I believe that Brighton Council declared a climate emergency in 2018 mm. so at the start of 2020 they were they were about to do a citizens assembly um, focused on transport in the city and then of course the pandemic came along and um, it all went online um, and so there was somebody involved in Brighton Extinction Rebellion who had been invited to be part of the, um, it was, I guess it was like an advisory committee or sort of steering committee type thing. So I think there were people from the universities okay. and yeah. you know, there was a big group of sort of stakeholders who were, um, yeah, a bit of a sounding board for how that, how that Citizens' Assembly was put together and what the focus of it was and so on. Uh, anyway, so I, I had had some contact with uh, this person who was from XR who was involved in that um, and was help. I was just helping sort of communicate about it on the website and stuff as the pandemic started. Mm. Um, and so that was my introduction really to what was happening at a local level and it was really exciting right because they're mm. you know it's like oh wow it's like talking to um the people of the city about this issue and um even though it went online you know it it was i think for the people who took part as far as i can gather i was getting this slightly inside view because i knew mm. the person this person who was on the advisory board people who were taking part were kind of, they were getting a lot out of it. Um, but there was this frustration because it was like it was happening and nobody in the city knew. Right, okay. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, we were sort of seeing, well, I, I mean, I was seeing, because of the work that I do, it's like, oh, there's an amazing opportunity here to, to kind of spark some engagement, broader engagement in the city around these issues. Mm. It's like... you there's a group of citizens who are doing this, you know, this is what they're seeing, this is what they're talking about, these are the decisions that they're coming to. And that, you know, it's 50 people from the city who got very, very connected with the issues and made some brilliant recommendations, right? Mm. You could, you know, be working with them to kind of take that back to their local community and none of that happened. Okay. And, you know, because there was a pandemic on, there's no money. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, as far as, so I sort of started to, to try and get involved. So I met some people who were, who were sort of involved informally with the sustainability team who were like, yeah, you know, get involved, come to these meetings. Mm. I got involved in going to meetings and turning up and giving my two penneth for what it's worth. Um, and... Or, you know, what I've seen over that period is that, uh, yeah, the local authority is completely hamstrung by the lack of resource. Okay. 
there's a team of amazing council officers trying to do a million things um, with no money right. or time. And, you know, it's doing really what they do do is pretty incredible under the circumstances, so stuff around the circular economy. Mm. And, you know, what my observation has been uh, up until this last um, set of elections was that it just got used as a political football Okay. because there was no real over, or overall control. So Labour and Conservative were quite happy to gang up uh, on the Greens using this as an issue, like bike lanes is the classic example. Okay. Um, and I'm sure it would be the same the other way around. I'm not saying that there's any one party to yeah. blame in that. It's like, that's politics. That's party politics, isn't it? Um, so I've, yeah, I've... I've I've, it, to me, it's kind of a bit of a symbol of so so many of the broken things. Mm, mm, yeah. I, mean, I think party politics is just not helping um, us step into this challenge. And I think the, the, the kind of, yeah, systematic starving of local authorities of any resources for ten, more than 10 years now mm, means mm. that what you can do is so, so limited. And yeah, Brighton, I mean, Brighton it should be absolutely the pioneer here, shouldn't it? Yes, yeah. You know, when you, when you talk to anybody from outside of the city about Brighton and they'll say, oh, the green city, you've got yeah. Caroline Lucas, it's like the trendy, you know, everybody there's a bit of a green hippie sort of yeah. thing. Um, you know, that's the cliche and it's like, and yet you can't even recycle half your stuff yeah, that you yeah. can in like Surrey or... <laughs> yeah, 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 behind in, so, in comparison to so many places. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. That, that kind of, you know, that kind of crazy thing at the centre of it, um, I, th I think that's driven by the fact that it has, well, partly that it's been no over overall control for so long and mm. then partly that it's been no there's been no money so yeah mm -hmm. yeah so that's a that that's the story of my engagement at a local level I yes. think you know that that thing about we were talking about about trying to create local connection because it's such a divided city it's such a um you know socially mm. uh it's not a very diverse city no no uh it's yeah, there's all sorts there, um, yeah. and the, and sort of kind of getting yeah getting connected with the local politics of things is you know on the one hand it feels like a place that it's like yeah that's the place to really try and make a difference, mm, mm. but I would say my efforts over the last three years have been pretty frustrating, right? And that's where yeah. you know the, again the event came from our local poets corner event came from mm. was just like oh let's just do something yes yeah um take it into your own hands to some degree in terms yeah. of like yeah something yeah. with a particular energy about it or yeah. yeah and kind of you know it's maybe if we if if we can if there can be a few more of those sorts of things in different parts of the city at a certain point there might be the capacity mm. in the local council to kind of go great okay let's let's do something with this energy yes. whereas at the moment it just feels like it's there just isn't that capacity to do anything with it yeah not yeah. for the, not for the want of it or the will of it but just literally like 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just not there at the moment. Mm. Feels mm. a little bit scary saying that. Saying that. So I might don't mind me a bit that I come back and uh, <laughs> say mm. that's the political of, bit. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, just because it's personal. It's personal. It's like I've got to, you know, I've got to know people not on a personal level but you know I've been in a lot of meetings mm. with people and it's like it's it must be the hardest job in the world yeah. I would not do that yeah. job for a million yeah. quid so it's like if it's work that I'm not willing to do mm. uh, I feel like I have to kind of respect be mm. respectful of the people who are mm. doing it and trying to do it and it seems like what you're saying is is that that in many ways the will the will is there. I mean, sometimes maybe the will, the other side of what you're saying, sometimes the will gets overridden by the dynamics of party politics, potentially. But it, the will is kind of there, but the resources are not there to support that becoming something tangible and active and something yeah. that makes, you know, the difference that it could make. So sounds like you're describing a situation in which there's a lot of opportunities which have been missed and you know which is kind of frustrating to see mm. that in some way mm. um yeah. yeah like you you know you read about the kind of pioneer cities like oslo and you know some cities have done some amazing stuff mm. in the in the kind of face of total lack of any kind of national level policies mm. cities have gone okay well we can do this right mm -hmm. they've kind of stepped into that policy void mm. um and it's just frustrating that brighton for yeah. whatever reason isn't yeah. one of them and you feel that brighton sh should be it should it be should shouldn't totally it yeah yeah, yeah 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 i mean it's a bit bonkers yeah. though it isn't yeah and the fact is a it's a you know substantial it's a big city as well you know i mean it's obviously not it's not a birmingham or anything like that but it's a you know if we could we feel that if we could do do something in brighton it could really be yeah something that is you know a model that other cities could yeah because i mean you think about the people that came and spoke at uh, our little event like all of the different things that are going on you mm. know initiatives mm. it's like it is not for the want of ideas Mm. in this part of the world is yeah. it you know yeah. people are really thinking thinking ahead and just doing stuff mm. here so mm. the fact that it can't just be given that connecting oomph yes it's 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 a shame yeah and you mentioned um the issue of climate justice um, so, in, in terms of, um, you know, potentially thinking about um, diversity, is that part of what climate justice kind of means to you? What, 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 what do you mean when you think of climate justice? What do I mean when I think of climate justice? So, well, um, part of my frustration with Extinction Rebellion is how white it is, mm. <laughs> how white and middle class it is um and how it can't solve it doesn't seem to be able to solve that problem it's not that mm. it's, it not that it's not that it doesn't want to be more diverse I, it mm. does you know but it doesn't know how to do it and it's like this classic 
kind of um you know i mean that's a broader challenge in our society isn't it it's like how can how can white privilege um see itself and Mm. dismantle itself (laughs) um you know um answers on a postcard um but um so I think yeah so there's so there's that that kind of thing of like the climate movement as I've experienced it being very uh racially excluding and you know and I come from a um a family where we have all skin colors and um we you know and people are the heritage of of the kind of broader family is very international so mm. that's like it kind of it's quite personal mm. to kind of feel like you know there are events that you know i've wanted to try and persuade my sisters to come to for example and then thought mm, actually you know that's fine for me um as a white person but as a black or brown person how welcome would I feel? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's that aspect of it, and and the kind of you know, it's like the essentialness that it has to be everybody in this together. Then the kind of reality of like, well, the you know, because of social inequality overlapping the intersection of that with racism and colonial or the colonial heritage and history and damage and the roots really of this problem being in that. Yeah. Um, you know, the people who are feeling it first and hardest are black and brown people on the planet. Mm. So, mm. you know, the people who are using the most resources are rich white people mm. in the, in the northern hemisphere so all of that stuff is like it kind of makes my head explode really <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. and has to be stepped into and yeah. so i really i'm really inspired by like in the states in particular there are there are many more uh, diverse voices on this mm. i think than in the uk um in terms of uh, getting actual airtime i'm mm. not saying that there aren't um, black, black people in the uk who yeah. are engaged on this is- in- issue of course there are but in the us there seems to be a little bit more space, space. and airtime mm. for those voices yeah um so yeah so that's i mean i guess where i get to with that is that's about me having awareness and being conscious about okay who am i reading who am i mm. listening to who who am I trying to connect with? Who am mm-hmm. I trying to you know? When we talk about these communities and connection that we're trying to build, you know, that was yeah. something that came out of our event, wasn't it? It was like, okay, that's great, that, you know, but uh, we know that even in these few streets, there were many different people with different experiences who didn't necessarily come to our event because yeah. we didn't know how to invite them. Yeah, and so if we were going to do it again, we would work mm. with other people to 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 make the invitation one that a a wider number of people would want to Mm. accept yes yeah um so it's at that level for me 
don't get much further than that because it's like you have to start with yourself. So the other, the one other thing that I mentioned that just when we break that um, I was interested in was um, yeah. So you you were mentioning um, how Buddhist ways of thinking and being in the world are shaping particular responses to you know, the environmental crisis and and how we interact with with um, you know the Earth's ecology and um, so I was interested to ask you if about any I mean you've talked about mindfulness which in a sense you can understand as a particular kind of spirituality um, do you yourself come from any particular spiritual tradition or does spirituality in other ways feature as part of your as part of your world your life and does that influence and shape how you think and feel about the environment in any way hmm. um oh, it's, it's, it's such a good question um so i guess uh informally i come from a yeah from a christian tradition mm. um uh yeah that's like been the dominant religious um influence in my family um and that's from you both sides you yeah dad's and your mum's kind of side yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so my grandparents my mum's parents went to church so when we were in Bermuda yeah we went to church on Sunday Church of England mm-hmm. um and uh my dad's family I would say were Church of England I need to check that with him though I'm presuming they're Church of England mm. um so yeah so a sort of Christian background mm. but I was I I so I, I when the primary school that I went to uh, in Birmingham was, um, you know, we sang hymns and we celebrated all the um, Christian festivals, but it was, it was super diverse. So in my school, there were, you know, Sikhs, Muslims, Hindus, mm-hmm. um, student it was quite close to Birmingham University so there would be the children of like visiting academics um so there was actually two Buddhist girls yeah in my class for a period of time um and uh the head teacher was pretty forward thinking to say you say it's the 70s so although Mm. that it was like it was a it was you know that was the overarching religion was Christian you know, we did um, kind of do the classic thing of, you know, Diwali and so on, and um, which I think is much more common in schools now, but it was pretty unusual at that time. Mm. Um, And, you know, you're in Birmingham not very long after Enoch Powell's made his Rivers of Blood speech. Mm. Um, And, you know, you used to see NF scrawled on the walls in graffiti and stuff I I really remember that um so yeah it had its challenges so for me so sorry that's a long-winded way of saying I I said I suppose my kind of foundational spiritual 
um, inputs were Christian, but there was also this um, very inclusive kind of message from my primary school. Yeah. So my uh, the head teacher used to talk about you know we're all it's all about you know a school is a collection of hearts mm. and our heart you know it's that's it's what's in our hearts that makes the school and all our hearts are the same. Mm. Um, so that was as loud a kind of spiritual message to me at quite a formative time mm. as anything else. Um, and But yeah, I sort of quite quickly concluded that I, I didn't really have a strong conviction, mm. um, you know, formally religious conviction. Um, and yes, you know, would say, oh, I'm a, an atheist, quite precociously. Um, from what kind of age? Probably from about the age of 10 or 11, oh, right. I suppose. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, quite young. Yeah. And it was kind of to annoy my grandparents a bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't really know what it meant. But yeah. anyway, I, it, it would sort of get a reaction. Um, so, and yeah, and... So, yeah, I would say no real formal religious sense. But the spiritual thing is a different kettle of fish because um, I, don't, I would say I still don't believe in God, but I do, I have, I have that sense that I was talking about right at the beginning of like, mm, there's more hmm. here. I am part of something um, and there is a connecting mm. energy be- between me and all the things. Um, I've always had that. Mm. And that has been definitely encouraged by my mum and my stepmum. And my stepmum will sort of talk about, um, you know, like when a bird lands next to you, she'd sort of say, mm. oh, it's one of the ancestors or... Um, and my mum will say exactly the same thing. Okay, um, yeah. And um, so there's been that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, and then obviously with mindfulness, that that is, a, that's a spiritual practice, I mm. realise that. And you can kind of, you can pretend that it isn't, yeah. if it yeah. makes you yeah. feel Secular better. Secular mindfulness, yeah. 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 You know, if that's what you need to tell yourself to connect with it initially, then that's, I, I think that's fine and I certainly did you yeah. know I needed to have this sense of oh, it's it's science and mm. um, and then of course like the minute you sit and just breathe and connect with yourself it's like yeah something, there's something else going on here as well isn't <laughs> yeah. there and it's that's okay yes so yeah so kind of connecting with a sense of spirituality not without needing to put a name on it mm. um is yeah it's a big part of my life now Mm. and just Mm. yeah not feeling embarrassed about saying I have a spiritual life yes I have a spiritual sensibility and it's about for me it's about whatever it is that is connecting us and calling Mm. us to try Mm. and heal rather than damage Mm. yeah and I think coming coming back to that theme of connectedness because you you you've used that word again a bit there um 
for me, I think it's interesting to think about the ways in which things which potentially we might think about as happening inside. So those feelings of connectedness, you know, that we were talking about earlier, which are a kind of emergence of spirit, life, spirituality, whatever word you want to kind of put onto it. But then it's also interesting to think about what your mum and your stepmom kind of said in terms of the bird landing next to you, and that's one of the ancestors. The thing that occurs to me is the the kind of connectedness that emerges almost serendipitously in life. And it seems to me that in some of the what you were saying earlier on, you're almost looking in a kind of faith way, if we if we put words that can put those words on it, to a kind of serendipitous emergence of connections with others, with events, with things that will bring, as you said, some kind of healing. Is that fair mm. to say? Mm. Yeah. So there's a kind of there's the dual thing of and for me that's something of you know kind of you know when things happen in that kind of way you know i I may articulate as like wow that's god (laughs) you know that kind of serendipity of, of of something that's that you kind of hope for something that's happening potentially on the inside of you fresh perspective on something um but then there's a kind of sense in which it's not just within you there's a there's a something that happens in the world Mm. that is greater than you know just something that's happening on the inside of you Mm. um and um yeah that kind of emergence i think is quite fascinating Mm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's uh Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's um I'm just thinking, you know, about what we were saying about hope. It's for me that it that is the source of the hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that we you know, hopefully we can find a way to for ourselves to be able to articulate it maybe with less of the kind of labels, the unhelpful labels that have increasingly divided us, you know. Mm. It's like if we can let go of that kind of, oh, if it's if you call it this, then you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and if yeah. you call it that, then you're wrong. Because yeah. actually at the centre of it, is there a shared, mm. um, shared sensibility and experience and values and that yeah if we you know we can just accept in each other yeah we maybe frame it slightly differently but it's coming from the same source then that's all you need isn't it really yeah and working for the the common good and common including Mm. that democracy of species you know the the common good in that sense yeah um yeah yeah that's super hopeful isn't it 
Sounds like a good note to finish on. <laughs> we got there. We got to the hope. All solved. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, yeah. Tamsin. That's Thank you. Really good. Yeah. <laughs>